0: God bless you this morning. We are continuing our study in the book of Mark. I would ask you to turn to Mark chapter 6 as we find our way. I want to share with you a message this morning about being offended by Jesus. If you've lived long enough as a Christian, most of you have been offended by him, and he's not done yet. So let's take a look at this. Mark chapter 6, we come to the place in verse 14. It said, King Herod heard of it, for Jesus' name had become known. So Herod in this region had now become known of the miracles that Jesus was performing and his fame now is going forth even to the political regions and into the realms of the authorities. Herod heard of him. Herod heard of this Jesus and then said this, verse 3, Some said he's John the Baptist, been raised from the dead. That's why these miraculous powers are at work in him. Others have said he's Elijah's. And others have even said he is the prophet, like the one of the prophets of old. But when Herod heard, Heard of it, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised. Now that's peculiar because, I mean, John was only six months older than Jesus. Jesus was already 30 years old. How could that happen unless Herod's thinking his spirit left John and went into Jesus? It just really doesn't make sense. But the point here is that Herod is scared because Herod's the guy that chopped off John the Baptist's head. So he figured by chopping off this holy man's head, his ghost is going to inhabit somebody else and come get me. He was a little bit nervous. You see, he kind of liked John. That's the thing about Herod. Herod, in one way, was trying to silence John the Baptist, but yet save his life. So let me help you understand the story. It goes on to say this in verse 17. For it was Herod who had sent and seized John and bound him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because he married her. For John had been saying to Herod, it's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And Herodias had a grudge against him and wanted to put him to death, but she could not. For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a righteous and holy man, and he kept him safe. When he heard him, he was greatly perplexed, and yet he heard him gladly. So Herod hears John the Baptist. John the Baptist had an amazing ministry, and it was really getting widespread all over Israel. In fact, later on in the book of Acts, you'll read that there was a man, Apollos, who was of John's baptism, who didn't know the full understanding of Christ dying and rising from the dead. But here's a famous teacher uh, that was speaking at Ephesus and speaking other places. He was a, 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 a byproduct of John the Baptist's ministry. You remember later in Acts 19, Paul goes into Ephesus and he meets a bunch of guys there and and he asks them, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? They said, we don't know anything about the Holy Spirit. We're of John's baptism. So all the way into Ephesus, you see, John the Baptist's ministry was widespread. What was his ministry? Repent, for the kingdom is coming. It's at hand. Make a straight way, a path for the Lord in the desert right? So he's the voice crying in the wilderness. So he had a popular ministry. He had a lot of disciples himself. People wanted to follow this rabbi. So he had followers, right? You remember all this? So so this is interesting. But John is a fiery preacher, right? He wears camel skin, hairy camel skin stuff. He was before Cher. He, you know, had all that kind of cool stuff. And he, you know, he just ate locusts and drank honey and chewed on bugs. This guy was crazy. But he'd call out sin. He'd call out the Pharisees, call out the Sadducees. And it didn't stop there. He went up to Herod and said, dude, you're in sin. Public declaration of Herod's sin. Newspapers used to do this about political leaders. Not so much today, but they used to. Uh, call out the public sin of political leaders, right? Uh, And so that's what Herod did. Now Herodias didn't like this. That's Herod's wife. Uh, And the reason she didn't like it is because it was all about her. See, now here's the weird thing. She was Herod's niece. She was married to Philip, who was her uncle as well. It was their brother. There's three brothers involved here. And uh, so the one brother was Aristobulus. He had a daughter, and Philip married his brother's daughter. That's Herodias. But she didn't want to stay married to Philip, so her and her... Herod conspired, divorced their mates, left them, and got together again. And John's calling that out. This isn't kosher. This isn't good. Now, Herod says, you know, shh, she doesn't like you. Stop it. And she's saying, kill the bum. I want him dead. So he says, honey, I'll put him in jail. She So he puts John in jail because he knows there's an anointing on this guy. This guy is called of God. He's amazing. He's perplexed. He's interested, but he listens to John the Baptist. He, he, he goes visits and, and listens in jails. And what do you have to say about this and this and this? So he's really intrigued with him. And then Mark goes on to say that here's a story so that he uh, celebrates uh, uh, his birthday. They're having a big party, big bash at Herod's place. So they have the musicians come. It's party time. Everybody's singing, dancing. And, uh, and so Herodias tells her daughter, right, hey, go dance for the king. So she goes out there and she dances that funky dance of the seven veils and I'm sure it was very risque or whatever. Herod's drooling at all of this and going, wow. He has no problem with family members being part of his uh, harem. So he looks at this and he tells Salome, you know what, babe? I tell you what, you did an amazing job. I'll give you anything you want, even up to half my kingdom. So she goes back and says, mother, what should I ask for? And Herodias says, Get the head of John the Baptist. So, her voice went down at that point. She goes back. She's serious. So Salome says, I want the head of John the Baptist. And the king goes, oh. But he made this public declaration. The king can't go back on his word. What's he going to do? Oh, this is terrible. And he immediately says, all right, go get it. Put it on a platter. So they go down, chop his head off, put it on a platter, bring it out to the party. Now that'll kill a good party anytime. <laughs> Bring ahead, He's dead. Now Herod's scared. This is the ghost. He hears about Jesus. This is the ghost of John the Baptist coming back. But it really doesn't make sense. So where's the offense? I feel bad for John the Baptist, but I want to share with you some more understanding of what's taking place here in the life of John the Baptist. Because it says in Matthew chapter 4, now here's something interesting. It it says in Matthew 4 that when John got arrested, in Matthew 4 chapter verse 12 it said that news came that when john the baptist was arrested right herod arrests him because herodias wants him dead so he arrests him he locks him up keeps him safe look at what jesus's response is to uh herod locking up john the baptist now when he heard that john had been arrested he withdrew and went into galilee leaving nazareth he went and lived in capernaum by the sea what would you think of that? He's dodging Herod. I mean, come on, you can't. He, he hears Herod's upset with John the Baptist, arrests him. He knows that Herod's on the move, so Jesus leaves that territory and goes someone else. How would you feel if you're John? Hmm? Jesus withdraws where the trouble is. Hey, come on. I, uh, what's going on here, Savior of the world? Now, look at Matthew 11. Turn with me to Matthew 11. I want you to see something that's taking place. In Matthew 11, John's locked up. He he withdrew from the area that John was, and, and now he's preaching down in Galilee, got out of his town, And it says in Matthew 11, 1, When Jesus had finished instructing the twelve disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in their cities. Now when John heard in prison about the deeds of Christ, of the Messiah, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or should we look for another? Now come on, that's a direct slam. That's a direct question, isn't it? He's not hemming around here. John's in prison. Jesus books. He leaves. John hears Jesus is doing amazing things. He's doing different works. But I would imagine that's not all he hears, just about the miracles. Because what other reputation did Jesus have? In Matthew 11, Jesus explains his reputation. If you'll read the rest of it, Jesus goes on to explain, people call me a drunkard and a glutton. So I'm imagining John's in prison. He's obviously getting word of what's going on. He hears Jesus is doing amazing things and at the same time he hears that Jesus hangs out with sinners. What was John's ministry? Repent. And what is Jesus' ministry? Can I come to your house today and eat? Let me come to your house and drink with you. So he's really wondering. Have you ever wondered about Jesus? Like, what's the deal? Habakkuk did. How come evil people prosper? And the righteous are under duress. What's the buzz? What's the deal? Sorry, I went back to Jesus Christ Superstar. What's the buzz? Tell me what's happening. I, I don't know where that came from, okay? For all of you that are old, you remember that. Isn't that... Right? So he asked Jesus, look it, are you the Messiah? Now here's the real one. Or should I look for another? That's just a, Ugh. that's a stinger on the end of that. Are you, it, you know, I mean, it's enough to say, are you really the Messiah? Are you the one? But when you add on the end of it, or should I look for another? You're, you're you know, you're, you're kind of adding a little bit extra to it. Because like, remember, Remember what the ministry is let's what was John's expectation of Jesus John said this at the beginning of his ministry when he spoke to the crowds you brood of vipers he warned them you I warn you to flee from the wrath that is to come. Even now the axe is laid at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit will be cut down and thrown in the fire. You fear me, huh? But there's one coming whose shoelaces I cannot tie. I baptize in water, but he's going to baptize with fire in the Holy Spirit. Right? I mean, that's what he's expecting. And then Jesus comes along, And he's eating and drinking at people's houses. He's letting people caught in adultery go. I don't accuse you. Go and sin no more. Hey, Jesus, I gave a good speech. I had the ax at the root of the tree. What's going on? John's in duress. He's in jail for speaking against sin and for declaring righteousness. And he asks the question, are you the Messiah or should I just look for another one? He's conflicted. Uh, Have you ever been conflicted with Jesus? Everybody should be conflicted with Jesus. Now, he, he's got to deal with this because he also remembers that God had spoken to him and told him the one whom the dove descends and lands upon him and he heard the voice of God say, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He's having trouble here. Jesus heard some of your teaching when you were in prison you visited me. Well, didn't even get a card from you. Did you send one of my disciples? Remember, where'd where'd most of John's disciples go? Following Jesus. Didn't even get a card from them. Think about it. Come on, be real about this. Man's in prison, Jesus leaves town. And it doesn't line up with John's expectations. Have you ever had a failed expectation in Jesus? Yeah, something ain't right here. Matthew 11, look at verse 4. Jesus answered, go and tell John what you hear and what you see. Let me just make a point again from last week's sermon. The kingdom of God is to be seen and manifest. It's to be heard, declared, and something should show up. Do you remember? Remember how the church has become a church of nouns instead of verbs? Used to be when you declared the kingdom, it showed up. Jesus said, go tell them what you see and hear. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised, and the poor have the good news preached to them. Wow. Wow. Go tell him that. Now, why is he saying that? Because that is a direct reference of how Jesus began his ministry. The book of Luke, chapter 4, he begins declaring out of Isaiah 61, right? For behold, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And it says to give sight to the blind, to to heal the leper, to uh, set the captives free, and to uh, uh, cleanse uh, the leper and give Listening, hearing to the deaf and the lame to walk. I mean, it's exactly Isaiah 61. So he tells him, you go tell him what you see and hear. And so now John getting this information is going to go, hmm, that's a direct quote from Isaiah. He must be the one. Jesus refers him back to Scripture. But there's still something wrong. But look at how Jesus ends his statement. And blessed, verse 6, and blessed is the one who's not offended by me. I think that is a response to his, or should I look for another? Jesus, you're not doing it the way I would do it. That's, I'm thinking what John's thinking. You know, I came preaching. I had a job to do. I called out sin here and there and there. You're doing something different. You're not doing it the way I figured it out to be. And I think we all go through that. You've prayed things and Jesus answered in different ways. Some of you would believe he didn't answer at all. But it was a different way. But what amazes me, and this is the point in the text of my scripture, blessed is he. Now that's a beatitude, right? How many of you remember the beatitudes? Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the poor in spirit, right? Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit of the earth. Blessed are the peacemakers. This is a beatitude. It needs to be added to that list. Blessed are those who are not offended by me. So if you can get through your life without being so offended by Jesus, you still love him, you're blessed. Because bottom line is this. Jesus offends everyone. And if you can come into a relationship to begin to trust Him and to love Him above your own opinion and feelings, you'll be blessed. Let me tell you how Jesus offends everybody. Basically, it's this. Jesus says, there are none righteous, no, not one. No man can come to the Father except through me. He must pick up his cross and die. Now, that offends just about everybody. He calls every human being a sinner. He calls every other religion false. And he says, I'm the only way, and the only way is for you to die. That's eh, offensive. It really is. But he says, Blessed is the one who is not offended by me. In other words, you've got to get past that. And begin to understand. That's what John had to do. John was offended. John's hurt to the place where he even questions Jesus. How dare he question Jesus? How could he question Jesus? What made him question Jesus? What makes you question Jesus? He saw the miraculous, it testified into his eardrums. This is the Son of God. He witnessed it from heaven. He knew the inner witness of the Holy Spirit, but something caused him to question Jesus. It was the chatter. It was the experience, life experience. It was the talking of others. We've heard Jesus say this, and he does that. Remember it said, I heard of your deeds? So someone's talking about Jesus, telling them about Jesus. And secondly, his life situation is a downer. He really thought being a prophet well he would know better than that he knew the prophets right? He should know the prophets Isaiah was sawn in half cut in two. Jeremiah thrown in a well killed Ezekiel all the prophets. Jerusalem killed all the prophets. that's what Jesus said. Now John should know his life would be better than that see it wasn't a question about his life he was questioning Jesus's ministry was questioning him. He had, even John the Baptist, had an expectation of the Messiah that wasn't quite right. Isn't that interesting? You see, all of Israel couldn't figure him out. Can I tell you, you can't either. Come on, if you think you've got Jesus all summed up, he fits in your little pocketbook really well. Fits in your box. Jesus in a box. I've got them figured out top to bottom, right to left. I can tell you everything about Jesus, everything I know, everything He'll do, how He'll behave. Come on, how many of us believe that? And we get all upset when something throws us off, usually our circumstances. I've held on to every promise of God. Right? So do most of the Christians in all the rest of the world who are being beheaded and killed and persecuted and suffering but they're not offended by Jesus. Typically, we are. Those who have certain expectations and levels of prosperity and blessing that we should all have. People who grow up in a different environment are not offended by Jesus. In fact, their one prayer in the persecuted realm, the persecuted church's one prayer isn't get me out of this, is that Lord, may I endure this honoring you all the way through may I not speak ill of you. That's the number one prayer of of Christians in prison. They're not offended by Jesus. They don't want to offend him. Isn't that something? So something happened to John. He was troubled. Now, we all go through momentary times of lapses of faith and and trouble uh, understanding Jesus, and we can be offended by him. Then it says, they went away and Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. In actuality, he gives them his eulogy. Jesus is giving him his funeral. (laughs) Speaking well of him. John, what did you go out to the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you. And a prophet? More than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. Jesus knows what John was supposed to do. Jesus commends John for doing it, but he doesn't rebuke him. He understands. He's a man. He's in trouble. He's he's in a situation. And what Jesus says is, Go remind John what the Scriptures say about me. Renew his trust in me. Encourage him. Don't you love that about Jesus? How many of you have ever been offended by Jesus and really had an opinion that was not good about Jesus? That was me, if uh, you're all too chicken to raise your hand. I prayed for people not to die, and they died. I prayed, I'll bear my soul, I prayed the night before my father commits suicide, I was in our church sanctuary praying for his well-being, leaving that church that night, committing my father to Jesus. And at 4 a.m. in the morning, I wake up to my mother's screams that my father hung himself. I had a real problem with Jesus after that. My brother-in-law at our Metro Beach picnic, I don't know, 10 years ago, was in uh, a motorcycle accident, and he was thrown from his motorcycle, and we prayed for him. We declared him to live, not die. He made it all the way out of ICU, got in the step-down unit, was doing great. We knew I prayed for him to get a word from the Lord, and that the Lord's going to take him into a new level of faith, and the next thing he throws a blood clot, and he dies. I had another problem with Jesus. And my expectations of his promises. But I work through that. Because he is greater than my circumstances. His wisdom is higher than mine. And I know his character. You have to wrestle through it. If you haven't wrestled with Jesus yet, you usually come out wounded. Just like Jacob did. Do you remember Jacob wrestling with the angel? He limped the rest of his life, it says. You wrestle with God, you got to limp. That's why mature Christians are usually walking around like this. I'm I'm not kidding. Because they know what it's like to be in a good fight with God, and they know what it's like to be wounded by His holiness and His majesty. And for their human frame to be crushed by a holy God. I have a problem with people that are just all knowing all that about Jesus, got it all down pat, and, and, and have never been through a trial. John limped, I would imagine, all the way to the point when his door creaked open and he saw a guy with a big sword. Next thing he knew, lights out. So what do we do with all this? Think about John's disappointment. He declared that Jesus was coming with great fire and judgment. John publicly proclaimed Jesus. He saw the miracles at the baptism. He gave his disciples to Jesus. He did the right thing for God. He called out sin. He did what he was supposed to do. He believed that Jesus was Messiah. And here he is in a prison. He's being beat up and eventually beheaded. How does this work out? And Jesus said one thing to him. He answered his question with scriptural evidence. And then he said, John, blessed is the man who is not offended by me. You may not understand me fully you may not get what part you play in the grand scheme of the kingdom of God. But don't get offended by me. Trust me. That's a message for you and I. So if you've ever been offended and you just don't understand what God's doing or what's going on, can I tell you life is very complex. But don't take it out on Jesus. Don't be offended by him. There are many believers. We're praying for the prodigals. There are so many believers that are outside the church right now that are offended with Jesus. Absolutely offended. I was talking to someone last week who was so offended by the way the church responded to a situation. They'll never go back to church. I said, you know what? You don't do that with Kmart. You get lousy service at Kmart, you go back. Right? You get offended at Panera. They didn't serve you fast enough or you gave you the wrong order, you're ticked. But you don't say, I'm never going back to Panera. I'm never going to shop again. Why is it we've got patience for everybody except believers in a church? Because the root issue is we're offended with him and we don't understand why. Can I tell you, Jesus will continue to offend you so that you'll wrestle with him and you will bow lower to his majesty and understand he's greater than you. So what do we do? We do what John did. When you are perplexed and you are offended by Jesus, you do the first thing John did. You ask Jesus, what's up? Go to him. Don't ignore him. Stop pr- don't stop praying to him. Don't stop asking him questions. Why? 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 But wrestle through. Ask him why and then ask him again why and how come this and how come that. Get in a good fight with him. Ask him. Wrestle with him. Get close to him. So I don't like this. That's what David did. Almost every psalm you read from psalm 40 to 60. It's David saying, "What's the deal?" Why are you so far away? huh? John's in prison. Hey, trouble's here and you went there. Ask him. Ask him. So John did. What's up? Are you the one? What's going on, Jesus? You wrestle with him. Then secondly, you go to the scriptures. You go to the word of God. That's what Jesus said. John, go to the word. You know the word. You understand the word. What you don't understand about me, you'll find in the Word. Search it out. Study it. And know that I am the Word. Listen, John was the voice, but Jesus was the Word. John was a light, but Jesus is the Son. John is the friend of the bridegroom. Jesus is the bridegroom. Come on, John. Ask of me. Search the scriptures. And then thirdly, last of all, you stand. Having done all to stand, you stand. You persevere. You hold on to your faith. Your circumstances will change. Trust God, not your circumstances. Trust Him beyond the situation. I know you've lost loved ones. I know people have been sick. This is a dying world under the weight of sin. Christ has redeemed us. Christ has saved us. Death is not your enemy anymore. We've got life in Christ Jesus. You have to understand his perspective and his point of view. Having done all, you need to stand and trust the Lord again. Take baby steps. Trust him again. Believe again. He didn't change. And if you didn't get the answer you wanted, or if someone did something to you that you thought they never should have done, wake up a sinful world and people do these things but Christ is the same yesterday today and forever stand on the word of God and get through this John gave his life for what was righteous and what was right Christ honored him for that but Christ had something to accomplish and he had John do what he needed to accomplish Christ has something for you to accomplish. Blessed are those who are not offended by Jesus. Let's bow our heads.